Hello, this is Catholic Discussion. We've got Bart Upart here and... And Matt Henry. And we're back. Matt Henry is here visiting his older brother and moi here in Chicago. Uh, we're actually at St. John Cantus right now. We got done with Mass, Rosary, and Vespers a while ago. And we're here in the canonry recording, chatting, had some Duncan earlier. And uh, today we're going to talk about discernment. That the, the D word that people are either super scared about, <laughs> especially as teenagers, or just all over it. Father, uh, or if Matt Frad had a joke, someone told him a joke where it was, uh, what's the most popular order? And it was the OPD, which stands for the Order of Perpetual Discerners. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, we could, I, I was wondering if we could probably just start out with uh, each other's uh, place in discernment, because we're both journeying in discernment uh, kind of along the same lines, but some of the destinations will be a little bit different. I'm discerning a religious life with the Dominicans. Uh, and Matt will talk about his monastic uh, discernment. So both religious life. But anyways, I think a, a, good, a good question that we could ask ourselves is, well, for me and then for Matt, why specifically uh, our order? So with the Dominicans, the Dominicans run the Newman Center at Indiana University. And uh, it's a great place. I love it. You know, uh, I grew up with the canons, though, canons regular of St. John Cantius, but the Dominicans made a huge impact just in that during college, especially with the f- help of focus, learning how to pray, learning how to do mental prayer with like Lectio Divina, seeing the awesome priests. And I was always surrounded by good priests. I've never really had any bad priests, always holy people. Um, and I especially saw that in some of the younger friars, the younger the Dominicans that we met at Indiana University. Uh, such as Father Patrick, Father Raymond, Father Reginald, and some of the not-so-young, like Father Justice. Uh, So what were some of the virtues that you saw in these men? Well, they were humble. They were definitely very humble in the sense that they they gave time for themselves, but they weren't super showy, I'd say. Uh, They they gave themselves a lot to the people, I think, well, especially to us students. They were constantly with us. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, they understood that they're not like parish priests and just hanging out with the parishioners all the time. They, I remember asking Father Patrick one Friday, I was like, hey, do you want to have cigars with me? And he just plainly said no. <laughs> and I was like, why not? You know, and he was like, I, I needed to have some alone time with the community as well. He's like, I need to study, but also we're having community dinner. So there was a focus on the community, which was really attractive, that they weren't just constantly giving of themselves to the parishioners, but they also were that their main vocation is living in community with the other friars. I also just loved the idea of going on mission. After going to Peru in 2018 with Focus, I really understood the need not just for preaching the gospel to the physically poor, but preaching the gospel to the spiritually poor, especially the people that we met in Peru. The, the idea of mission, um, the idea that like all the, all the apostolates that the Dominicans run here in the Midwest, I could see myself doing those. So that was parish life, campus ministry, teaching at like a high school, for example, here in Chicago at Fenwick, um, or being like a campus minister there, 
continuing education with like doctoral studies. That's also that's something I'm interested in, and mission life. So all of those things I could see myself thriving in. Uh, and what's cool is that you don't most of the time, right? They don't just send you one place and you're there for like you know the rest of your life. Uh, like in the case of Father Justice, yeah, he was in Nigeria for 50 years, 55 years. Um, but they move you around pretty often, you know. I think the most usually is like six years or something where you stay in one place and unless there's an absolute need for you. So, you know, and here in the central province, the main place that where they send us for mission is, uh, is Puerto Rico. So with my Spanish knowledge, that was something that when we were interviewing, when they were interviewing me, uh, I was really excited about and they were excited about that I knew Spanish and even uh, Father Father James, the Marchionda, the prior, he said, like, oh, Bart, if it was up to me, I would ordain you now and send you to Puerto Rico. <laughs> Bart, Bart's the ideal religious brother. <laughs> he can chant, he can teach chant, he can play the organ, and he can speak Spanish. <laughs> exactly. What else? What else? Maybe some holiness would, would be nice. But <laughs> um, Yeah, essentially, that, that's, that's essentially it. I mean... Father Patrick and, and Father Reginald were, I think, really pivotal in just talking with them and understanding not just the discernment itself, but in choosing other orders. Because for me, growing, growing up in predominantly a Latin mass parish that St. John Cantus is, I was constantly surrounded by beautiful music, you know, excellent old music like chant and Renaissance polyphony, beautiful liturgy, beautiful art, sacred vestments and everything. And it was just very different from kind of, as much as I love, right, St. Paul's, it is kind of a liturgical desert into some capacity. It's getting better. It's getting better. Uh, so it made sense intellectually for me to join a more traditional order like the canons or FSSP or the Institute. But there was just something else when I went to the come and see October of 2019 to, uh, to the Dominicans in St. Louis. And it, it felt it felt right. It felt like home and even just surrounded by people that I never knew but it's as if I've known them for a while, just laughing about the same things, ranting about the same things, and just feeling like a true fraternal kind of brotherhood there. And I thought that, okay, this must be a sign from the Lord that I should at least try this. I remember Brother Jordan, one of the student brothers that was with us um, last year at St. Paul's at Indiana, uh, he said that for him, discernment was always something that he wanted to pursue it he would pursue something if he knew that later in life he would regret not pursuing. So he would have totally imagined himself. And likewise, right, I dated a girl for almost three years from the end of high school through the middle of college, and I could totally see myself marrying her. But still within me, there was this inner desire of at least trying out religious life or trying out seminary. And I knew that I would kind of regret it or at least very much regret it later in life if I've never at least tried that. Um, and so that's why, you know, I decided to apply. And that was my main shtick to them during the interviews. I was like, I don't know if I'm called to the Dominican life for the rest of my life, right? But I at least feel that I'm called to just try out the novitiate, at least apply. And I was very ready to receive a no from them, you know, for, for various reasons. But I but then I'd be comfortable. My conscience would, conscience would be clean because... I've at least tried. And so it's crazy. They've accepted me as of May. Right now I'm just paying off my student debt and, you know, kind of preparing myself, chipping off at the vices and trying to grow in virtue. Um, so I'd say that's that's essentially it about me. What about what about you, Matt? Where are you at 
with all of this? Well, I started discerning about um, a couple years ago and uh, considered a, a, a diocesan priesthood, religious priesthood. Um, I um, considered the Dominicans a lot. Uh, I grew up at, or uh, went to the same parish as Bart, where it was run by very devout Dominicans who were certainly role models to, to him and I. And um, I went on a Dominican clemency and thinking that uh, God was calling to me to be a priest. And the things that I really felt called to the most in it were um, sort of those staples of a monastic life. So I sort of uh, I sort of pivoted from there to start discerning a monastic vocation, and and considered that for a while, um, mostly just out of the beauty of the uh, divine offices and um, just as a, a strong desire to have a deep personal relationship with God, and um, I, I started kind of like. Moving away from that, I think a lot of my motivations were not quite right in that, um, in kind of desiring um, the gifts that God gives to uh, to those who uh, devote themselves to a life of prayer and and sort of uh, selfish ambitions in that. Um, but at the end of that, I didn't want to end without at least going to a, a monastery and trying it out for a little while. Mm-hmm. Um, I needed to at least give it a chance before I said no to it. So I went on a retreat uh, the summer of 2019 to um, a Trappist monastery, and I went there for about six days, and um, it was a really beautiful thing. Uh, I was able to participate in the divine offices with them, um, go tour the ground to some of the monks, even work with uh, some of them, and uh, at the end of it, just decided it would, it would probably be a difficult life. Uh, I could do it. But there was just too much that uh, I would be saying no to. And it wasn't like those attachments that I necessarily had. It was something like I didn't want to say no to the campus ministry that I had or the, the ministry to my family or, the, or even just or to my friends and just uh, being trying to be there as much as I can and, and helping them in whatever way uh, possible. Um, so I just decided that like this is a really beautiful life that just wasn't for me. Um, but over the last, uh, this was, that was about a year and a half ago, and over the last year, uh, about six months ago, I started kind of considering it again. Um, after the last year, God's shown me a lot of ways that he just uses my prayer a lot more than he uses my sort of active life um, and just showing me that it, it's kind of a little bit even prideful for me to think that my active evangelization efforts are more effective than my prayers. And uh, so I've just felt a really strong call back to that. Um, and whenever I pray about it, I, I, I still consider sort of the uh, more active priesthood, but I really feel a lot more uh, called to a monastic vocation. And, and the Trappists, I really enjoyed visiting with them. Uh, I think they have a beautiful way of life that kind of balances the the strong uh, prayer life of a monastic community with a very strong fellowship between the brothers, which is something that I would strongly desire. Um, I know the brotherhood that Bart and I and the other guys have had has been really pivotal in my relationship with God and even in my discernment. And so that's something that I really want to to continue with. And I think that as I personally need something like that to keep me going, especially when times get difficult, uh, which they inevitably do, regardless of where you are. Um, So right now I am uh, scheduled to go on a retreat to a Trappist monastery 
for a little over three weeks um, and hopefully really enter into the life. Um, they usually say it takes like four days to three or four days to get adjusted to uh, the monastic schedule and getting away from media and everything. So hopefully, uh, as opposed to last time where I had two days of being adjusted, um, hopefully this time I can really enter into it and, and experience it to its fullness. And I think uh, I'm coming into it from a better place. So I'm really looking forward to it and uh, we'll see what comes from it. Yeah, that's beautiful. We'll be praying for you because that's that's an extraordinary task. And right, like the church officially says that monastic life is the most perfect, is, is the highest level, kind of highest vocation. Well, if you look at what St. Paul says, like the source of which we get uh, the priesthood kind of being a higher vocation in quotes than um, like married life, mm-hmm. it's mostly due to the fact that they can focus more on spiritual things. So it would make sense that you might raise up the monastic vocation to a higher uh, standard because they can focus more on spiritual things than say a diocesan priest and maybe a religious priest could focus more than that even but I mean I think uh, I you could even see it as like something that a weaker person might need because like I don't have the strength to be able to to just go out and and do all of these things without having such a strong like um, source in God and and um, and trust in that because in a lot of ways it seems like uh, that they that a more active priest might just have to have a blind trust uh, or more of a blind trust in in God while um, it's kind of like trying to to really um, receive as many graces as you can from God and focus solely on that and free from all of the distractions. So it's kind of like in, in a monastic life, it's for people who can't handle the distractions, so we just cut them out and the way of life is kind of centered around doing that for you. Yeah, that's a great point. I think, right, like, we're both just saying religious life. So, right, the question is, like, why, as opposed to the diocesan life? And I, I think for me, it's the same thing that I wouldn't be able to, I think, even be a diocesan priest without a lot of God's grace. But just knowing myself, I thrive off community. I need other brothers around me. I need other people to build me up and, you know, to keep me accountable, right? Like, I don't know if I could live alone and trust myself with doing the right things at the right time. You know, I, I really think that in a sense that the people that are most organized and willing to be by themselves and, you know, go through that, because that's a cross to bear right there, you know? But I, with diocesan priests, that's just, that's one of those things that they bear. And also just having a ton of responsibility as yeah. you're the only guy most of the time in the parish. Well, I think a lot of the really good diocesan priests that I know still have that strong sense of community and see um, just see a great need for them to be a priest in that area, um, uh, probably growing up in that diocese. But they, they will try to come together with the other priests in the diocese, which I think is a really great thing because uh, the last thing you want is a priest alone in the world, especially going through all of the responsibilities that diocesan priests have, like running their own parish a year out of seminary or something like that. Yeah. They're just so such a great need for, for priests in general and for diocesan priests that uh, that you got to have great respect for them. But I think those that, that try to turn to community within the diocese are, are helping themselves and helping one another out a lot in that. Gosh, that's very true. I. It, it's interesting because... 
you mentioned this earlier, I think, while you were talking about noticing your own selfishness in thinking that, like, right, the best thing for the world or for the church is, like, you actively doing something, as opposed to, like, your prayers or your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I mean, I, I get into that a lot because... <laughs> As a, as, a, as a person who has right, quite an ego, but also knowing, yeah, I, I'm also defending myself a little bit, and maybe that, maybe that just shows how egotistical I am. But knowing that I have certain strengths when it comes to music, being with people, I know that I'm good at those things. And I feel like, right, those are the things that are going to bring people to God. And so, but it's like maybe not necessarily my prayer, you know? And it's weird, like in talking with family, for them, they all think that I'm becoming a monk. Because the, for them, it's just like married people or monks. And they're not really, they're not Catholic, they're not religious in any way, so they don't really see that. It's just like that one person that's stuck in a monastery just praying and lonely and, you know, sexually frustrated and stuff like that, you know? But I'm telling, trying to tell them, like, well, no, I'm still going to pursue an active lifestyle in the sense that I'll be with people, I'll be in a family, right, with other brothers, I'll be, you know, hanging out with people, uh, still giving myself time for prayer and stuff like that. Um, but that's, I, I think it's, it's e I, I get to have that perk in a sense of still living a, in, I don't want to say worldly, but still living a life in the world. Well, very much, I think a monk, not only does he not live, not only is he not of the world, but in a sense, he's denied, he's dead to the world. I think that's the hardest thing for even most of us devout Catholics to kind of comprehend. I don't know. How do you see that? Well, I remember a, a quote that uh, Cardinal Sarah said that um, in The Power of Silence, which kind of relates to that, a much lesser degree in the Trappist, but that the monks in general, he was speaking of the Carthusians, that they're impatient men and seek to experience heaven on earth. And I think just kind of like trying to find God and, and the way of life is structured such that they... Um, will lead them a, at least away from the sort of uh, deta uh, attachments that they might have to the worldly things or sensible objects. Like the, that's why you take a vow of poverty and you enter into the community together um, and you focus on praising God throughout the day. And, and hopefully, and that's kind of like what we hope that heaven will be like, is just like praising God um, throughout just constantly and, um, and ordering everything towards them. And, and the, the way of life I see is just an attempt to try to help us to order everything that we have and know towards that. Um, I know that I was, I was watching this video of one of the monks at what the abbey that I'm going to visit, and he was saying that he was a priest at another, I think it was another monastery, and he said that he got too uh, involved in his work when he was there because um, he really enjoyed working with his hands and gardening and stuff. And he said that he really like felt called to uh, join the community at uh, New Melloray um, because they uh, they break up their work, and so like every, when they're working, they can only work for like a couple hours before they like stop working for a little bit and take that time to to praise God through the divine offices, and um, and I think it's just uh, it's kind of like a sort of trying to set everything up in the best way possible to uh, open the clearest path to, to God and to a relationship with him, which is obviously going to be difficult because we just naturally have these attachments to things that we've formed over our lives. Um, and we just are, as humans, we have attachments to sensible objects. 
And uh, but this way of life of a monastic community is just a way that we can um, be kind of forced in a way to really have to clear the road, so to speak. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. That's that's some good food for thought there. I guess we could also go into next here, um, just like maybe some advice for people that are also discerning or are thinking of discerning, right? Maybe you're in a relationship right now, you're dating, maybe you're single, but you're attracted to religious life, priesthood, consecrated life, um, or you want to date, right? Like, and what are what are some things that maybe advice, things to avoid? Uh, I know for me, the thing that I had to get over very quickly, because the way that vocation was taught to me, not to the fault of like the canons or the priests that I knew, but maybe just like the culture, the friends that I was talking to, there was very much this mindset of if you don't discern properly, the Lord will punish you or you will be miserable. Or like the other way around, you what God wants for you is the opposite of what you want because your order, your desires are disordered. So I basically have to choose the opposite of what I want and be miserable. And that's how I know I'm doing God's will. <laughs> and that's just, that's one of those things that I was taught. And I thought that if I... Right. If I'm called to the priesthood, but I get married or vice versa, uh, then I'm going to hell for that. And it, it took a while for me right right after high school as I was dating and trying to figure out this discernment thing. And guys, I do not recommend trying to do like, you know, kind of half ass your discernment in the sense that you you want to hold on to one thing, but you want to discern the other thing. I got to live here four years ago with the canons to kind of more publicly discern just so that I could get it really checked off and just tell priests later when they bother me like yeah 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 I've discerned the priesthood you know don't bother me I lived I lived a whole summer with the canons regular uh I still met up with with my ex and I still hung out with her and we still held hands and kissed and stuff like that and so my heart was very much torn where I was attracted to the priesthood but I don't want to say no to a relationship I still wanted to have the perks you know, kind of the, the accidents of, of the relationship. Um, and that just wasn't fair. It wasn't fair to myself. It wasn't fair to her. Uh, and it wasn't fair to God, most of all. Um, so I, I just want to tell you guys right now that the Lord isn't going to punish you, right? Uh, he wants you to follow his will. But the thing, you should follow your heart to an extent in the sense that like right there are desires that the lord has put inside of you for a reason and ultimately he knows what's going to make you happiest that's all vocation i think just you know vocational discernment is is knowing knowing what or finding out what uh is going to make you love the most or the most happy well i think you bring up a good point of of the common um Objection or, or thought that like maybe leads people to discernment, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but the idea that only priests can be holy or only monks can be holy. Um, and that's just like not the case. It's, it's really like uh, the best vocation for you is what, whatever God is calling you towards. Um, and the thing that the world needs most, like we were talking about the great need for diocesan priests, the world needs holy men and women, whether they're priests, monks, married people, or whatever, or nuns, uh, whatever vocation they're called to. So I think that um, while that um, uh, can be a factor in your discernment of like, where can I um, live out my relationship with the Lord the best? Um, I think that that uh, 
it shouldn't be considered as far as like I can only really truly pray if I'm going to, if I'm a priest or mm-hmm. um, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm reminded by a quote by Aristotle. Um, I've probably said it so many times, but wherever, wherever where the needs of the world and your talents cross, there lies your vocation. You could really make that about anything. You could say that like, oh, I'd be a good dad. Yeah. And the world needs good dads, so I'm called to be a dad. <laughs> no, or, the, or the same thing with the priesthood. And that's the beautiful thing, I think, is that as much as God right, has like the will for you, the, the, the path for you, uh, he's still, if say, right, we go back to that thought experiment of like, I'm really called to be a priest, but I get married. He's going to give you that sufficient grace to excel to be a great father, a great husband, and a great dad right, to your children, and to be a saint in that vocation. He's not going to be like, oh, well, you're screwed now. You know, <laughs> yeah, no grace. No, he's going to give yeah. you that sufficient grace. That's what's so cool, is that the Lord still chases us, after, even after, say, we intentionally or unintentionally run away from him out of some sort of fear or uh, right doubt. I think a lot. The first time that I started discerning the priesthood was in high school, and it was out of right like a real attraction towards the priesthood, uh, you know, being surrounded by great priests, watching into the great silence with the Cartusians. <laughs> but I, my heart was everywhere. I was, I had a crush probably on every girl in choir. And then the next year, when I'd get rejected very clearly, I'd be like, okay, I'm becoming a monk. And then there's another cute girl, and I want to marry her. And then, okay, I'll be a priest. Yeah. And back and forth. But a lot of it, for me, there was a lot of deep-seated fear because my parents divorced. And I didn't want to take that risk. I would, To me, my mentality was like, okay, I could get married, risk divorce, risk pain and conflict and arguing and fighting. Or I could avoid all of that and just live a nice, comfortable life as a priest. I had to get over that. It is thankfully through dating, you know, an awesome woman and going through our own personal conflicts and, you know, kind of not spousal. I meant like dating, dating conflicts and stuff like that, that I understood like, oh, gosh, actually, like conflict is good. It makes us grow. And I needed to get over that fear. And I was like, actually, marriage sounds like sounds awesome, you know. And I'm sure people have right fears about the priesthood for I mean, definitely. Right. There's still a certain discomfort that I that I feel in celibacy, you know, that well I think we were we were talking about that before we started recording. There's kind of this fear of uh of things that we haven't experienced yet. So like the priesthood or monastic life or or seminary or whatever it might be. It's something that we haven't actually entered into. We know just like what goes on there and and like all of these good things that are will help us in our relationship with God and lead us towards something really truly good um but we also have these experiences in the past which we have uh, maybe have been really good as well and it's hard to hard to kind of say no to one thing in hopes that the next thing will be better when we know that the thing that we've experienced is good so if we've had a good relationship with with holy women then it might seem like uh i know that if i marry someone that will be good and that will be good for my relationship but i don't know that about uh the priesthood or monastic life um except by kind of in my part and in like as an abstract thing so it really i think you just need to trust in that and and kind of go for it to some degree that's why there's seminary that's why there's novitiate and to try to figure that stuff out Mm -hmm. um but at a certain point you just need to trust in god and trust that 
that what he has in store for you is better than whatever it is that you've experienced and and you kind of just have to to acknowledge the past and acknowledge the goodness that was in it and and move past it gosh that's such a beautiful thing right like acknowledging the past not like staying in it or being fearful of like new experience but ultimately trusting god which is easier said than done obviously uh but I think it, it's very pivotal in, in discernment when you, when you start going away from fearing your past or fearing the future. Uh, and doubts are always going to be there, right? I mean, it's, it's doubts. I know that priests still have doubts about their, the vocation. Um, and since they're sacrificing things, it's, it's going to hurt. I remember asking Matthew, one of our, one of our friends here, who just got married uh, a little more than a month ago, and uh, when he was preparing to propose, uh, we got into a conversation about like, oh, you know, like the perks of marriage, you know, intimacy with your wife, children, like all these things um, and all the things that the priest give, gives up. And then he turned it around and he said, he was like, well, Bart, like I'm never going to be able to like bring God's mercy in a sacramental way to another person and restore through the grace of God that person's soul to right relationship with our Lord. I'm never going to be able to touch the Eucharist and change through the power of God, bread into body, wine into blood. I'm never going to be able to baptize through the, you know, the whole ceremony and the ritual of that. He's like, that stuff hurts me. And he was like, because I love that stuff. I'm a nerd about it, right? He's also, you know, a nerd about liturgy and scripture and stuff like that. And he's like, but I, I I have to give that up. That's just something that, you know, I sacrificed in order to, follow the vocation that I think I'm called to right now. Um, so it's, it's, it's a double-sided coin. You know, you lose some, you get some, you know? <laughs> yeah, every path involves sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very much so, very much so. Do you want to add anything else? No, I think. No? I think that's about it. Yeah, I think that this is a good podcast. Yeah, if, again, really pray. I think, okay, one last thing. It's super important to give yourself some time to pray, especially in front of the Blessed Sacrament. Adoration was extremely important. As soon as I started more uh, seriously discerning the priesthood, I signed up for two adoration hours a week. Um, And I was kind of used to one every two weeks or something like that. So that was a lot. It was a big jump for me. But it's so so pivotal and and crucial to your discernment because ultimately you're not really going to find out what God is calling you to, or you're not going to even understand maybe what your heart is trying to tell you, what God is trying to tell you through your heart, unless you pray, unless you ask, unless you let that, you pick up that phone with God, because otherwise you're not going to really hear it. Uh, that's, I think that's so important. I think another thing on the lines of that is if you're struggling with some serious sin that you uh, frequent confession and, and get whatever help you need to kind of root that out of your life. Um, because like you said, you want to be open to the graces of God. And if you have some sin in your life that's keeping you from that, then it's important that you're you're striving towards uh, removing that from your life so that you can be as open to the graces of God as you can be. Amen to that. Well, we here at Catholic Discussion want to, first of all, wish you a happy fourth Sunday of Advent, but also a soon-to-be uh, Merry Christmas. Um, this has been Bart Upart and, and Matt Henry. And this has been a... Catholic discussion. (laughs) Awesome. Thanks, guys. Good night.